0: to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, "'What are you discussing with each other while you walk along?' They stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, "'Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days?' He asked them what things? They replied the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of Scripture. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I used to be a runner, but used to be is the most important part of that sentence. It's been a minute since I've been running, but when I did used to be a runner, I would always meet up with my friend Jeanette. We would meet up at a trailhead somewhere, and we'd go out for three to five miles, and it was usually a great time. We would just catch up with each other and enjoy the day and enjoy our friendship. One summer day, we met up down at the Plum Creek Trail in Castle Rock, and we went out on our, on our three to five mile run, and by the time we got back, it was, it was really hot, and we were really tired, and we were glad that we were finished running. Before we had left, though, I took my car key and I had tucked it into those little hidden pockets that's in the waistband of some running clothes. And when I got back to the car, that car key was no longer in the little hidden pocket in the waistband of my clothes. I had lost it somewhere on the trail. So Jeanette and I turned around and we ran back another three to five miles until we found my key there on the trail. I don't think that she was enjoying the day or enjoying our friendship quite as much at that point. But when I read our text today from the Gospel of Luke, I thought about that day on the Plum Creek Trail and and how it felt to turn around and go back all of the distance that we had already run. On that day, it was hard and tiring and frustrating and annoying because the reason that you're running makes a big difference. In our story today, we hear about two people who are on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and our text says that that's about a seven-mile journey. Now, it's reasonable to assume that these two disciples were probably a couple, a husband and a wife, who went with Jesus to Jerusalem for the Passover. While they were there, they witnessed not only his death, but the unraveling of everything that they had hoped for. Now they're walking home, and they're talking with each other about all of the things that they have lost over the course of three days. They've lost their friend, they've lost their teacher, they lost the fight, they lost their way, and they've lost their hope. I imagine that those seven miles felt like a really long seven miles, because sadness and disappointment are really heavy burdens to bear, even when we're bearing them with someone else. As this couple is walking and talking, they encounter a stranger who seems oblivious to everything that happened in Jerusalem. The text says that the couple stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, a man named Cleopas, said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know about the things that have taken place? The things about Jesus of Nazareth. And then one of them says what I think is one of the saddest verses in Scripture. They say, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. I can relate so strongly to the disciples in that moment, in, in that lost hope and in that moment of disappointment. So often the things that we hope for just don't come to be in the way that we thought that they would. All the time I hear people say things like, I had hoped for better news, or we had hoped for a different diagnosis, or I, I had hoped that it would work out. I had hoped that this time it would be different. So many hopes. In our gospel text, the stranger listens to the soul's grief. He listens to their lament, and then he begins to interpret for them all the things in scripture that point to God's vision of liberation and salvation for all people. He tells them about God's great plan to redeem and restore and renew all things, but they don't get it because they can only see what's been lost but now it's getting late, and they're almost home. So they welcome this stranger to their house and to their table. And that, by the way, is how we should treat the stranger. In the news this week, there have been shocking stories about strangers who have showed up at someone's door or in someone's driveway or in someone's car, and the inclination has been to just shoot that person. I don't even know what to say about that, except that this text reminds us today that when we welcome the stranger, we welcome Christ. How we treat the stranger is how we treat the Christ. And when we welcome the Christ into our life, incredible things happen. Just listen to the rest of this story. In Emmaus, Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and suddenly the disciples see. The text says their eyes were open and they recognize him and they realize that it was Jesus all along. It was Jesus with them on the road, listening to their grief, listening to their story about unfulfilled hope. It was Jesus teaching them about all the things that God has, can, and will do. It was Jesus all along. And as soon as they understand this, he's gone. And the couple in Emmaus is so excited, so energized by this realization that they immediately jump up and they run the seven miles back to Jerusalem. And I bet this time they hardly even noticed those miles because the reason that you're running makes a big difference. They weren't worried anymore about what had been lost. They were too excited about what had been found. Their hope had been restored. They suddenly saw what was possible instead of what was impossible, and it filled them with joy. Just imagine, if you will, for a minute, this man and this woman running back to Jerusalem, filled with wonder, filled with hope, Maybe a little confused, maybe doubting a little bit, but so excited that they just couldn't wait to share this good news with their friends. That's Easter. That's what it means to celebrate Easter. When we experience the crucified and risen Christ, we are changed. The impossible suddenly feels possible, the unbearable becomes bearable. The long and difficult road ahead is no longer an obstacle because Christ is risen. I am risen. We are risen. Alleluia. So what does it look like? What does it look like when we are so filled with hope and joy and expectation that we don't mind going all those extra miles? Well, it looks like a community. It looks like a community that's willing to stretch themselves, that's willing to do whatever it takes to bring about transformation and new life. Did you know that one in six people in our community— Uh, are neurodivergent, meaning that their brains function, learn, and process information differently than people who are considered neurotypical. Do you know how hard it is for a kiddo who is neurodivergent to learn in a typical classroom setting? I do, and it's really, really hard. This weekend, we're committing to our Planting Hope Capital Appeal, and a large part of those funds will be used to purchase the building for the Abiding Hope Nature School a preschool that will serve neurodiverse students using nature-based learning. Now, that alone is incredible and exciting, but there's something else that I'm excited about with the Abiding Hope Nature School, and it's that it's also going to serve neurotypical students. That's exciting for me because not only will those students benefit from nature-based learning, but they're going to benefit from being in a diverse classroom setting. Some of the most compassionate and empathetic and loving people that I have ever known are people who grew up with a family member or a close friend who had a special need. Because those kids learned at a very early age to love and value and appreciate people with differences. Those were always the kids who stood up for the vulnerable, who lifted other people up instead of putting them down, and who really lived all means all. And we have the opportunity to help raise up generations of kids who live and love like that. Together, as the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus, we have a vision to create a school that will not only meet the needs of people in our community, but will transform the heart of our community, one child at a time. Because we're not focusing on what's been lost. We're not lamenting the cost of this building or the statistics about who is neurodiverse. We're we're not lamenting the fact that this school wasn't there for our children when they needed it. Instead, what we're doing is seeing what's possible for the next generation, and we're moving towards that vision because we are risen. This morning at the 815 service, we baptized three babies, Josephine and Sarah and Hugo, and this morning at this service, we baptized Ivy Joe. And it's been such a joy to see those kiddos, to remember that in our baptism, we are baptized into Christ's death and into Christ's resurrection. We are baptized into a new way of being and a new way of seeing. We are no longer people who only see what's been lost, but we become a people who see what's possible, about what's been redeemed and made new by God's love. We get to see resurrection, where other people may only see death. When all these babies that were baptized today, when they grow up, they may find themselves walking on a long and difficult road. They may find that the losses start stacking up in their lives. They may even find one day that they feel like they're losing hope. But they can remember that there's a little cross on their brow that reminds them that they are beloved children of God. That they never walk those difficult roads alone. And that there's always more to life than what's been lost. We just have to have the eyes to see it. And when we do, I hope that we are filled with joy and energy and expectation and hope, just like this couple on the road to Emmaus. I hope that we're energized enough to get up and go all of those extra miles with joy and gladness, focusing not on what's been lost, but on what's possible. Because after all, we are Easter people. You know, I never was really planning on taking up running again. I thought that chapter in my life had closed, but it seems like when the crucified and risen Lord is part of your life, sometimes you just can't help it. Sometimes you're so energized and excited, sometimes there's so much good news to share that you just have to get after it. So are you ready? On your marks, get set, let's go. Thanks be to God. Amen.